0: to the rough buffs i'm your host andrea bennett
1: and i'm kim Fu. this is a podcast where we're rewatching watching and talking about the great british bake-off we're up to series four episode eight alternative ingredients although that is every week for andrea
0: i know i was like it's my time to shine especially with the <laughs> the yeah the gluten-free or wheat re- wheat-free bread signature, which is how we start off the episode. But interestingly, only Christine
1: makes it gluten-free.
0: Everybody else does spelt, so. Yeah, spelt is cheating, but, I mean, not (laughs) for this, but spelt still has gluten. Any of the Mm -hmm. sort of ancient, quote-unquote, ancient grains like spelt and kamut and stuff like that, they all have gluten. I mean, buckwheat does not, oddly... But anyway, Christine did a blend that had three different flowers that I mm-hmm. wasn't sure how it was going to come out, but, but it, uh, well... It
1: was tapioca, rice, and potato, um, yeah. and the judges liked it. They said she did well, they liked the seeds on top, they liked the seeds being evenly distributed. I thought it was really underwhelming looking. You know, so it, it gets stuck in the pan, um, even though yeah. she used parchment, so, like, the bottom rips off, and she kind of okay. has to, like, tack it back together. Uh, and it looks, you know, it looks like a gluten-free loaf of bread. Like, there was nothing about it that seemed special. Like, the kind of gluten-free bread they have at a grocery store where they only have one gluten-free bread. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And it's, like, a little bit steamy inside the bag, and then you get it, yeah. and it's kind of like
0: cake. You know? Like, that yeah. that bread
1: is, like, it looks like that's what Christine made.
0: Even that bread is like tricky enough to figure out how to do. So, good honor for that. But the mm. yeah, she's missing. So the rice ki- rice flour kind of gives a structure and then the two starches, the potato and the tapioca. Those those are what gives it some fake gluteniness. And usually you'd have some xanthan gum. That Mm. adds some fake elasticity. But the other thing you'd have in there for texture and a little bit of flavor would be generally sorghum flour or teff flour or even a gluten-free oat flour. So that was the – she was missing a couple elements in her blend I I would say.
1: I feel like my standard for gluten-free baking is very high because we've been doing this show for so long now, right? (laughs) Like I've been watching you make gluten-free bread after gluten-free bread, right? And, you know, you're like, oh,
0: it's tricky enough. And I'm like, is it? I mean, like, look at what
1: (laughs) the breads you've been baking.
0: Well, I've had, I mean, I've had like years of experience at this point. She's on the Great British Bake Off. Yeah, fair enough. Whose loaf are you most excited about? I was most excited about Kimberly's um parma ham and pesto loaf that she makes very pretty by sort of like twisting together. Pre-bake,
1: I was most excited about Kimberly's, like yeah. when they were describing it. And then also... It looked really good, um, you know, at the po- – well, it was still raw. Like, after she had split the dough and stuffed it and rolled it up, it looked really beautiful. And he, and, and Mary commented on that, too. She says, oh, it does look exciting, is what she said about yeah. it in that state. Um, after they were baked, I actually would say Becca's is the one I would go for. Um they're kind of harsh on on kimberly's. I, I bet it, I bet Kimberley's is still amazing, right? Like, it has yeah. parma ham in it. It's, like, covered in cheese. Uh, it has, you know, the beautiful pesto veins running through it. Mm. Um, but uh, Paul says that it's dry. The texture's all wrong. There's too much filling. Like, it couldn't yeah. rise because the whole thing was so tight. Um So at that point, I was more excited about Becca's focaccia.
0: I don't love focaccia. So Becca does a potato spelt and rosemary, I think, focaccia. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't want potato in my (laughs) (laughs) focaccia. Yeah, she uses potato
1: (laughs) flour and mashed potatoes.
0: Yeah, the mashed potato part is so weird. Yeah, I mean, it sounded really weird, but then... They said it was great. Like they said the 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 te- Paul said the texture was good, and that he
1: liked the potato. That it like made the whole thing melt and like broke up the gluten in an
0: interesting way. All right. Well, I mean, I'll I'll let it. It it wouldn't be my first choice, but it, that might just come down to personal preference. We talked at length in the previous episode about yeah. how you don't like <laughs> focaccia. Yeah. Why is it so? Yeah. When people oil it and massage it, it. It creeps me out. You know, my mom is like that, too. She cannot stand
1: watching people make her food. Like, sitting at a sushi bar and watching someone, like, like, handle a roll is unbearable to her.
0: I also don't like that. And it would be really tricky if I ever ended up in a situation where I was eating, like, fancy sushi. Like, I can't remember what show or movie or whatever I was watching, but someone goes to see Hiro from, like, Hero Dreams of Sushi, Mm -hmm. and sits at the bar and gets like this what i'm sure is an amazing meal but they're like zooming in on here like (laughs) massaging the fish and like hand shaping it and it's like oh no thank you not for me
1: the face you made when i first brought that up is exactly the same as the one my mom made yeah
0: (laughs) well i like your mom (laughs) she's on the right track there oh Mel said it looked like a beautiful cabbage. The pesto, swirl. yes,
1: Kimberly's, yeah, and she said it was supposed to look like a rose. It yeah, was a good moment. <laughs>
0: well, the I mean, the cabbage makes more sense because roses aren't generally green or that big.
1: Like it was yeah. cabbage sized too. Yeah,
0: cabbage size. I think to I, Mel's I, mean, ca- credit. I think cabbages can be gorgeous. Also,
1: I also agree. And have you grown
0: cabbages? Yeah. I have that
1: probably makes them more beautiful. is like you've known the pain yeah. of growing them yourself.
0: They're yeah, they're actually surprisingly tricky to grow. Um, lots of things like to eat them, and so it's really yeah. hard to keep pests out. And I was trying for a long time to grow sweet choy so that I could make my own kimchi, and because it's very expensive where I live mm-hmm. in my tiny little town, and um, it's particularly hard to grow because it's it bolts at the first sign of warmth basically so
1: the weather has been so erratic too it's like incredibly hot and incredibly cold and incredibly hot and incredibly cold and yeah yeah and like it doesn't rain and then it monsoons all of a sudden like it seems like it'd be
0: rough it's been a weird year for stuff but I have decided to not grow sweet choy for a while and grow a different kind of cabbage and to just buy the sweet choy from the grocery store (laughs) Yeah. So frustrating. That's the thing
1: about cabbage is it's dirt cheap and it doesn't really go bad. Like, to me, it's hard to make the argument to put in effort when it's, it's like the cheapest, most sturdy thing at the grocery store.
0: I know. I don't understand how it's so cheap. And I guess the answer must be like a lot of pesticides. Yeah, probably,
1: (laughs) probably.
0: Anyway. Ruby makes mango... A mango and nigella seed spelt cob, mango chutney and a bread is what
1: she calls it. Um, Yeah, hers, like Christine's, to me was kind of underwhelming looking. Um, Mm -hmm. They were impressed that she got like a good freeform shape because they talked a lot about how spelt flows instead of rising Mm -hmm. when it proves, so it can just like get really, you know, it can sort of puddle out and lose its Mm shape. Um, But hers had like a very nice little bowl shape. But again, to me, it seemed. Visually very basic, like Christine's. Um, and then Paul said, let's take a look inside. And Ruby says, oh, it's going to be so bad. Oh, no. And then Paul says, okay, what's wrong with it? And she says, it's underproved. The bake is horrible. Uh, and she says at the beginning of this one that she feels like she's getting less emotional and less panicky. She um, does. And she's, like, building up a stress tolerance. Uh, but she is... Negative self talking all the way through this episode again. She
0: has some positive things to say about herself in the showstopper segment. There's,
1: I think that that's an issue of interpretation.
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, jeez. That we'll get oh, we can get to. All right. Yeah. I can see what you're saying there. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyone else that we. Oh, I guess Frances. Frances. Yeah. So when she first pulls hers out of the oven, it felt like it was missing a glaze, and then she laced it. So that was my criticism gone. Um, hers was adorable. It was, it was so cute. cute. The yeah, little bees nice. and the, the yeah. honeycomb,
1: um, and they said you could taste everything. you know, like she made big promises with that with that Terran chair. You know, she there were a lot of flavors that she promised would be there. And Mary she said did. they're all there.
0: Yeah. Um, the only issue with hers was that she incorporated zest into the dough itself. And that impeded the rise.
1: Um, Shall we move on to the technical?
0: We shall. Okay, so they do a hazelnut dacquoise. They've got two hours and 45 minutes. Um, The dacquoise is three layers of meringue um, with a mousseline in between them and um, ganache, piped ganache and hazelnut praline Mm -hmm. clusters on top of the ganache. Mary's iteration looks gorgeous as usual. And okay. You know, I did. I thought Ruby's and Kimberly's at the
1: end looked better than Mary's. Yeah. I thought in the in the opening, like, this is this is the perfect Daquise, this is the ideal Daquas. Hers look kind of goopy. Like when they when they, oh, cut, into when they cut into it. Oh, when they cut into it, yeah. So I
0: meant like when you look at it and its like cake form before it's cut into. Mm. I think that hers got goopy because it was waiting too long for that segment mm. to happen. I don't think that Paul and Mary actually bake the things that are the, like, perfect specimens on the show. I think that they have, like, a baker that does that for them. That's my guess. I don't know. We should look into that. They definitely
1: pretend that is the case on the show. Like, yeah. they, they talk about it as though well, one of them has recipe. baked it.
0: Yeah. Yes, they but they do, it like, I, I, I mean, I think
1: you're – I would say they talk about it as though one of them baked it. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think like that can very well just be you know, the, the premise of the segment and not at all true. And it would sort of make more sense that production assistants are doing it. Yeah. Um, but I think they're definitely pretending that they baked it. Like You're yeah. definitely supposed <laughs> to think that, I think.
0: Yeah. So that's why I think hers looks goopy. But I don't actually love a dequaz. It looks like it's going to be cake and they kind of fake the mousseline um, so that so that you can make like a, a neat layer of hazelnuts around the, the edge of the cake so that you're not seeing the defined layers which Christine gets in trouble for because she does not pull that off. Um, but it's not a cake when you cut into it. It's it's meringue and Muslim, Muslim, but it's all your
1: favorite flavors. It's hazelnut and coffee, and I know. I thought for sure this would be your jam. Like you love all the like it's it's your favorite flavors all in one dessert.
0: I will say I think it's the kind of thing that I need to try. That I should make myself try, and I would probably like it. But there's something about the like textures and always when Paul cuts through and he's like, "Oh, you've got your crunchy meringue." The sound to me is like so gross. For some reason, when they like amp up the sound of cutting through a meringue on the show, um, I'm pretty sure I would like it if I did actually eat it because I also never thought I would like um, eaten mess, and I had eaten mess, which is kind of similar to this, and I did really like it actually. So I think it's just I'm there's a gulf between what I'm imagining and what it's actually like.
1: You love coffee custard. I know and you love I do. Hazelnut praline. I know. And chocolate ganache. <laughs> I can't yeah, I mean I can't imagine you not liking it like just and I think and you like meringue, right? Like the like yeah, the I like, chew of it. I
0: like yeah, I like the chew of meringue. Yep. Mm-hmm. A good meringue. Yeah, that's true. A uh overbaked meringue is the under or over is not great, but So you like a? I think you would like a good hazelnut decoise. I would like a good hazelnut decoise. I would like Ruby's hazelnut Mm decoise, but but you're right, like not Mary's that they cut into. Yes, too mushy. You're probably right that that
1: was a, it's just, it's been sitting in the warm tent and the stage lights too long.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. What's, what's interesting is I feel like while you're watching them bake it, it seems like it's going kind of disastrously for everybody in the moment. And then at the end, when they lay them out on the table, they sort of look beautiful. Like in Mary comments as much when she comes out, she was like, these look these look great, um, and then you start cutting into them and eating them, and then they're they're less great again. Um, yeah, the the decoration hides a lot of sins, sort of. In this one,
0: <laughs> it totally does. The only one that stands out in terms of not being sort of like pristine on first look is Christine's. Actually, mm-hmm. um, everything is a little darker and a little flatter and a little little rougher around the edges. But but even still, if yeah, it, in the dinner party scenario, hers comes out on the table. It's not like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry that happened to you. It's like <laughs> It's like, oh, this looks nice. Like, yeah, totally passable. So they do have to look at details. Um, like, whose mousseline is set up nicely and who got the best uh, height from their meringue and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. They were harsh this episode, I feel like. Like, I feel like
1: the the Quazes, you know, as we're saying, they were sort of fine. But when during the judging, I feel like they were extremely negative. Um, you know, to the, they were kind of harsh this whole episode to the point that um, both in the going into The Showstopper and after The Showstopper, both of those segments, I feel like Mel and Sue were kind of like, you guys are being kind of harsh today.
0: Yeah, reel it in. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I think that they did that in part because the five people who are left are strong bakers, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and there's not all that much that separates them. I felt like up until this point... I was able to identify any number of people. It would be kind of easy, more or less, to eliminate. And that's not true anymore. And mm-hmm. so they kind of ratcheted it up.
1: They <laughs> the did. pressure.
0: Yeah. They did.
1: They made it very clear constantly, my expectations are super high. Like, that was the subtext of every conversation they had with the contestants. Definitely. Um,
0: Mary's kinder in her phrasing, but was basically saying the same things as Paul Mm -hmm. Um, And actually, they mostly agreed in this episode too. like there wasn't really like division between them, which is kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. But when they were evaluating things, it was also easy to agree with what they were saying. I mean, not on taste, because we don't get to taste any of the delicious bakes. But yeah, just like taking a gander at stuff. Uh,
1: we'll talk about that in the shortstopper. Uh, okay. Shall we uh, move to Andrea's baking corner?
0: Let's turn to Andrea's baking corner. Um, assign me two brioches. And I made them kind of the way that Kimberly makes hers. Um, roll into a rectangle, uh, cover the rectangle with filling, roll up, um, cut down the middle, uh, twist and turn into like a loaf shape. So the first one, the first one that I did was a Nutella uh, brioche. So pretty simple. Like I didn't make the Nutella, so just spread the Nutella on the dough and I didn't put it I did it free form after that so I did my first rise I chilled I rolled out I rested for 60 minutes and then I baked and I got spread on that loaf and uh, I really wanted to do it again in a nine inch cake pan to see if baking it in a nine inch cake pan would help me maintain my shape and have no spread so that is why i did a second brioche and the second one is with kale pesto par- parmesan and uh silver tomatoes so it obviously worked like yeah, looking worked. at the pictures yeah. <laughs> uh, the cake tin obviously makes a huge difference
1: uh yeah the first one looks much more free form yeah <laughs> Like, it looks delicious, like, in part because there, there's so much, like, filling exposed, right? It so looks like Nutella. bursting with Nutella, which <laughs> yeah. is, like, always going to be delicious. But if you were, like, describe this shape, I would be, like, uh, a cloud, yeah. maybe? Like uh, a... a seashell? It's, yeah, yeah it is it is a... It's a challenging organic shape, um, Yeah. whereas the, the pesto and tomato one um, looks like a commercial product. You know, like, it looks like something you'd get in a bakery. The spiral is really defined, and, like, the it's you know a clear shape while still having you know it's nice and ridgy but like it's it yeah clearly the the cake tin worked
0: yeah thank you I cracked code yeah so what Paul was talking about with spread with the spelt flour is like mm-hmm. even more of a thing with a gluten-free baking even though you have a little bit of xanthan gum it still isn't going to act like gluten the dough so uh, restricting it so that it expands upwards rather than sideways gets you a better shaped loaf. The other interesting thing about gluten-free dough in this circumstance is that when you work with gluten dough, I hear, um, you get a bit of rise in your in your first proof and in your second proof, or mm-hmm. in your rest. You don't get that in a gluten-free dough. You will get some rise. You get some. You get rise in your first. Rise, But when you do your rest, there's, like, no shape change whatsoever. Um, The heat of the oven often ends up adding more rise. But, yeah, the dough just kind of acts totally different.
1: Christine's dough in the signature um, was, like, liquid. Like, it was, like, cake batter um, Mm. where everyone else's was, you know, kneadable. And your doughs are always... Needable, you know mm-hmm. like like in the progress pictures here you can see that it you know it is it is closer functionally and texturally to gluten dough than whatever christine was doing
0: they tend to be trickier doughs to work with like they kind of feel wetter and they're stickier so when you see me rolling stuff out it's generally between parchment paper or like with plastic wrap and some mm-hmm. flouring on top but Um, because if you just roll out, um, it sticks to your rolling pin. (laughs) So there are some differences, but you're right. It's not like pouring like cake batter most of the time. Yeah. Her recipe was weird. So is, so is Becca's. Becca's is also weird. I would say. Yeah.
1: Hers was weird. Not for gluten reasons. Uh, (laughs) Um, I I have a question about the pesto tomato one. Yeah. Is it a meal? Like could it just be? Could you just make this uh, and then like this is lunch? You don't need to do anything so else.
0: We ate it on election night. So election night traditionally, journalists eat pizza, and um, uh, we we haven't actually we went camping last week and um, we have not gone grocery shopping since we've gone camping. But we have a giant garden and we get a CSA box and I have a ton of stuff. I've this is I have so much stuff in the freezer at this time of year. So, actually, I had the brioche dough in the freezer because I made a big batch when I made the Nutella loaf. So, it was something I could whip together because I had just slow-roasted some tomatoes recently. I defrosted some kale pesto I had made. Blah, blah, yada, yada. So, we did have it as kind of like, if you know, it's sort of like pizza. That is why I put the tomatoes in, actually, even though I wondered if it would impede the bake and in some way and it did probably a little bit actually because of the acid no just because they're a little bit wet even though they're Mm. still roasted and so the moisture is kind of mostly roasted out of them but we had it with a side more or less greek salad with like tomatoes Mm. cucumber pepper um really thinly sliced red onion feta and some vinaigrette. It sounds really good. Yeah, it was a super quick meal just because like there's so much of that around. We eat so many veg. We eat so many vegetables in the summertime. All veg all the time. Plus cookies. I had
1: a double bacon cheeseburger for <laughs> dinner tonight. <laughs> yeah. So it. Just- I don't know. I just. I feel bad now. Actually, also okay. How did you serve them? Did you do it in? It looks like you did it in slices, right? Not Yeah, in just slices. Pizza-y wedges.
0: In, yeah, which you could do pizza-y wedges. Yeah, the first one I sliced in half so that I could get a picture of the whirls. The second mm. one, we were too hungry and we just like... <laughs> 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 no pictures of the cut loaf. <laughs> How did the Nutella one last? Will doesn't have a sweet tooth, so it lasted... Sink and I a few breakfasts. Mm. Yeah. I, yeah, we ate it for breakfast. It was tasty. I liked it. I'd do it again. I'd, it, I would do it again, actually, both of them. I'm curious to know what Paul and Mary would have said about my loaves, but I guess we'll never know.
1: I think they would have especially liked the pesto tomato one. I think it looks... Yeah. It looks very beautiful, and it does. And it looks appropriately puffy, like in the, in the way that Kimberly's did not quite like hers. Like the ridges oh, were yeah, like kind of thin flat. on hers. Yeah, oh, and yeah. it was a little flat. Um, and yours looks like it has a better rise. Um, yeah, I I feel like I'm interested so much in like serving size and how you use them because oh, it just yeah. seems like a lot of effort. But I do appreciate that you get something closer to a meal out of it than you do with like a more treat or dessert-like thing. Like, I do appreciate that this is, like, this is breakfast. This is dinner. Yeah.
0: You know? I have been orienting my bakes towards that a little bit more this season, I have to say, for efficiency's sake. <laughs> I have a craving for cinnamon buns, actually, so I might make those soon just for the heck of it.
1: My I got ginger cookies on the docket this week. Or molasses cookies because Ooh. it's my friend's birthday and her favorite thing is molasses cookies
0: i love molasses cookies it's my birthday this weekend and i'm gonna bake myself a black forest cake i'm really excited about it
1: yeah i would i would bake you a chocolate cake this weekend too if we were anywhere near each other it's or even
0: heartbreaking. If, we're not even in like cake shipping distance no Mm-mm. we're both in the pacific northwest yeah
1: it's a big region Andrew.
0: it is huge i know yeah.
1: Uh, my, my friend's partner actually sent an email saying that uh, she didn't want gifts. And I, like, texted back being like, I already bought the molasses, man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> she like, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. I'll let you bake me molasses cookies. Yeah, basically. Ginger molasses cookies are a top three cookie for me. I don't make them very often. I don't know why. but Because
1: they feel wintery and seasonal probably right it's that's like you true. haven't yeah. you haven't been in a christmasy mood recently
0: <gasps> i'm really bummed that it's fall i bought myself a wetsuit recently so i could swim in the ocean in the fall because i'm really sad that summer is over and it's dark all the time anyway we really should move on from andrea's baking corner thanks for listening to me and talk about gluten-free bread
1: that's that's what the people come for andrea
0: yeah <laughs> So the showstopper this week was a 3D novelty cake, had to be a vegetable cake with no dairy and uh, they could shape it like anything including Paul Hollywood budgie smugglers and um, that is a term I hadn't heard in a long time. Um, Do you know what a budgie smuggler is?
1: A thong, bathing suit, A Speedo, yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yes. Um, But, yeah. A banana
1: hammock, I think
0: is what we say. (laughs) Banana hammock, yeah. Well, that's a little bit more generous. Oh, it's than the bungee smuggler. (laughs) Which is... Yeah. Anyway. Mary says courgette cake, but that's a zucchini loaf over here. Um, So, Mary... Okay, Mary says... Most of them will have made a
1: carrot cake, maybe a courgette mm-hmm. cake, but they've got to think beyond that. And then, the, and then the camera switches to Ruby shredding carrots in the food processor. Yeah. I thought that that's a, that's a little dig there, editor. Yeah.
0: I know. But I mean, um, I would rather have a carrot cake than a squash cake or a sweet potato cake, texture-wise, just having had all of those things. Mm. And I mean, I eat zucchini bread, but honestly, it's only because there's so much zucchini in the summer. It's not because I'm like, oh, I love a zucchini loaf. I thought Frances's sounded
1: really good at the beginning. Okay. Um, she hers had uh, beetroot and walnuts and chocolate in kind of a intentionally like crumbly dirt texture. Yeah. Yeah, and I thought that sounded delicious, and it sounded unique, um, but not. So so Kimberly and Becca both did butternut squash, which. You know as you just said is not not the best texture is very difficult i think um and then ruby does carrot cake which they just said is like the boring obvious option so i thought like yeah. you know go francis uh but it does not work out in the end um she burns chocolate in the microwave like that like the microwave is smoking like yeah. you know, like smoke is coming off of it and there and they show a shot of actually like chocolate charred black in a little ramekin. Yeah. And 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 Mel is like I didn't know you could do that. And I was like I didn't know you could do that.
0: So I baked cookies the other day so that I could bring them to this like triathlon I was going to do. Mm-hmm. And um I had to soften the butter which came directly out of the freezer because we just got back from camping. And um I missed a bit of foil on the butter as I microwaved it, but I was tired. It's making it in the morning and I was tired. At first, I thought I saw a flash of light, and then I convinced myself I hadn't. And then when I opened up the microwave, I saw the foil, and I was like, oh, no. (laughs) Anyway, so I guess having caught me at this moment in time, I forgive Frances for her chocolate burning. But chocolate and butter are things that I only ever microwave. I mean, I don't microwave them at high temp ever. I always microwave them at, like... A, a low temp for a short period of time, because mm. they melt so easily, and mm-hmm. you can't unmelt something or I don't know unset it on fire. But usually, if you get it almost there with chocolate or butter, if you need them to be melted, melted, all you have to do is stir them around a bit. Yeah. And then they're there. Yeah. It was a small amount in that ramekin, so I think she just. I don't even
1: know. It's always insane in that tent. You know, they're always, like, running around, and it's very intense. I can easily imagine you just forgot it, the microwave. You hit the wrong... Yeah. You know, you, you hit 20 minutes instead of two or something. You oh, know, like yeah. I, I can imagine that happening in that tent. For sure. Okay, so they point out that vegetables release oil, um, mm-hmm. and, which, and that they restrict and retard the flower. Uh, so, like, this is going to be challenging. They... They are very harsh in the judging in this one. Like, it doesn't go well, by and large. Um,
0: Christine makes a sweet potato electric guitar cake with homemade marshmallow fondant. I've never... I've only ever had, like, fondant fondant, and I'm curious to know, like, the ingredient list is apparently kind of similar if you look at a marshmallow plus the addition of the ingredients versus if you look at fondant. But the judges say that the marshmallow fondant is tastier than regular fondant, and so that's the part of her bake that is most exciting for me. Um, I think that things shaped like a char guitars are cheesy, but that is a personal preference thing, and I also don't, I don't, yeah, I don't think I want to eat a sweet potato cake. So she does a. Uh, they keep saying
1: passion fruit icing, but when you look at the cake, it doesn't really look like it's iced. It looks more like the passion fruit flavoring is in the fondant itself. I was confused on that point, um, yeah. which was the case. But in any case, they said that the fondant and or icing and, like, the passion fruit element was really, really good. And, like, that was the thing they focused on because they said the cake mm. underneath was really, really bland. Boring. And Christine actually, like, defended herself. She said, like, it has, qu- she said, it has quite a bit of spice in it. Um, and Paul said, like, there's nothing in it that stands out. There's, like, nothing that runs through you know, they're both like more of the icing would have been great. Like more of this passion fruit flavor. You know, maybe a middle layer. Also, okay. So you know, you said you thought the guitar shape was cheesy. I, it, it wasn't just shaped like a guitar. You know, like it was kind of elaborately decorated. Like she uses it she was, used those little yeah. um, silver jawbreaker candy things mm-hmm. on it, and she like she did strings. She did like it, it. It was very elaborately. And you're right well decorated i thought um to be kind of an impressive piece like you would expect to see it at like a celebrity at a party for a celebrity you know definitely christine becca and kimberly uh they kind of go ham with the fondant you know like that's that's their approach is they mm-hmm. they wrap the thing in fondant they shape mm-hmm. they shape it in fondant and they make little fondant decorations um and Kimberly, in, in particular, I think, are really impressive uh, little fondant decorations. Like, so hers is like a toadstool scene. Toadstool, yeah. But it has all these like incredible little details. And the last mm-hmm. shot of it is her putting this tiny bird's nest on top, and then making these mm. even tinier birds' eggs to like yeah. just just put in there. So the details are like pitch perfect. And the judges actually really like hers. Uh, they and hers is one of the only ones they do like um, for
0: sure. Yeah.
1: So Ruby's was really interesting because. I remember. This is again another instance of I remember I was like really mad when I watched this episode the first time
0: because <laughs> it's I think cockeyed she has because, a
1: cockeyed yeah, cottage. <laughs> hers looks sort of childish, you know, compared yeah. to the other ones. Hers looks sort of childish and and it, it looks like a child's gingerbread house, you know, in the kind of the way the scene is built. Mm. Uh, it, and it looks sort of clumsy, and then. But the judges are extremely positive about it. And then when you look at next to these, like, these fondant ones and then mm-hmm. Francis's whole, like, elaborate scene, it just, it, it to me, it's so subpar, but it's obvious the judges like it the best.
0: Mm-hmm. Watching it
1: this time, I see, like, I see the judge's point, actually, like, that yeah. she uses, like, a lot of really complicated techniques to make all these shapes and effects herself, you know? Yeah. Which is very different than, like, I wrapped shit in fondant. I sculpted stuff out of ready-made fondant, you know? So I think it's, like, you know, from a distance and to, like, I don't know, like an untrained eye, I guess, which is normally the way you watch TV, it it is, like, the least impressive. But this time around, I get why the judges like it the best.
0: Yeah, it would be that it was the tastiest, right? And the best, it would have had the most interesting textures. Um, It's unfortunate that her shed is lopsided and it does look a little bit kindergarten-y but she yeah she's doing it all herself um mm-hmm. and then her can't st- <laughs> yeah, sue i think asks if she can or maybe it's Mel if she can like sort of tidy her station a bit because her station is like go directly to jail level <laughs> mess mm-hmm. um but all of the little bits around she's like well, that can be a vegetable she does do really like fine detail work like Kimberly. Um. It doesn't look
1: nearly as good, though. Like, the colors are really muddy and the shapes are really unclear. Like, even what it is is not that clear. Like, I wouldn't know what I was looking at if you didn't explain it to me. But it is impressive when you think about it being all, you know, chocolate work tiles. and
0: It's all edible, yeah. Well,
1: it's it's edible and, like, good edible. You know, it's not... uh, You know, unlike the others. And I do feel like... They only had positive things to say to Kimberly. Like they didn't say anything negative about Kimberly's cake. Um, yeah. And I think that again, like, was part of why I felt angry the first time I saw the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, because when I looked across, it was like across the whole episode,
0: it, it you felt like Kimberly should have won Star Baker. And it actually ends up being Ruby who wins Baker. Mm-hmm.
1: And then yeah. also I feel like I got a vibe from Kimberly of frustration, you know, of, be, of being like, I really, you know, I'm really giving it my all here. Like, this is the best mm-hmm. I can do. And if that's not good enough, like, so be it, you know. Um, and then Ruby's vibe. So... What? What? So you brought up earlier that like Ruby says something positive about herself, and the hosts in particular are excited about it. They're like, "Yeah, you finally said something positive." What she says is, "Well, it's certainly you know the nicest looking thing I've ever made." Yeah. Um, I've never made anything at this level of decoration before, so it's, like, a personal best for me. But she says it like that. Like, she says it in a self-deprecating way. Um, And it is – but it is still, like, the most positive thing she's ever said. And,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: you know, it's just a difference of personality, a difference of approach. But if I were Kimberly, I would feel very frustrated with Ruby.
0: I feel like all of the chocolate work that Ruby did, all of the different, like, skills that she showed – Mm-hmm. They're they're just sort of at a different difficulty level than the fondant wrapping, and mm-hmm. so even if I was if I was Kimberly, even in this situation, I'd feel okay with it. Although I can 100% see why why you're describing it as frustrating. <laughs> we should also talk a little bit about you know, Becca's looked really great. The decorate, I liked the colors. They kind of give her a bit of a hard time for it being simple. She has this cheese wedge on top of this, like, wooden uh, platter with some fondant mice. It looks very clean. It looks very American. Paul says it's simple but effective. Like, mm-hmm. it's very clear
1: what it is, and he does appreciate yeah. that.
0: I think she did a good job, too, making a little... She uses this little... I don't even know what tool it is, but to make sort of holes in her cheese, like, dents mm-hmm. in her cheese and it's super cute. I don't know. I think it looks great. But the cake it doesn't taste like anything and Paul like it's yes. so bland that Paul's convinced that she did not put any she misweighed her spices. Yes. Yes. So that's extremely disappointing cuz it's also yeah, fondant on top and a tasteless cake is like why bother? I'm not eating that. See, that's why like, like melon Sewer like you were guys were really harsh on them today
1: is because I feel like Paul does not let up in that segment you know like mm. he just keeps talking like saying the same thing over and over again he says there's no flavor the only flavor I'm getting is sweet from the outside and then I'm not convinced you ate everything. there's no flavor maybe a faint aftertaste of ginger it's bland yeah. like he goes on <laughs> yeah. and on and on saying yeah. like a, like 12 different ways this cake is bland you know yeah. and saying it once kind of would have done the job for the camera but it's like he keeps going and like Becca's like Deflating, you know.
0: Yeah, she looks sad. At the end, um, they have they all have like a little cry together by the trailer. Yeah, I know. <laughs> The That's five so remaining contestants,
1: because it was <laughs> so harsh
0: Yeah, it was really harsh.
1: Oh, and Frances. We should Frances talk about Frances. So yeah, sad. Hers looks very cool. She makes like like a little pile of garden pots, basically, mm-hmm. um, that have that have like a soil cake in them and then they have a hidden carrot which is like another kind of cake buried in Mm. the cake. Um, And the main pot is made of fondant. Uh, The other little pots are real pots which Mary hates. Kimberly actually brought that up during the baking is that, you know, Mary always says everything on everything there has Mm. to be edible. So Mary hates the real pots and then hers looks real is what I would say. Like it looks like real garden pots. Yeah. But then they cut into it and they say it is so dense that you couldn't have more than a thimbleful, or your mouth would seize up is what paul's yeah
0: <laughs> that's not the first time he said that to somebody which is like no. so brutal they say the thing she hates the most that you know it's style it's over substance style substance mm-hmm. but she did she made a huge mistake in that. like there's no icing yeah a cake's not really a yeah, that's a huge problem. That's a really huge problem. The textures are bad. It doesn't taste, taste great. And so she gets a style over substance and she just falls. Mm-hmm. But I mean, she takes the criticism at the time. She takes it as if she's had she's as if she's gone through several art crits, like dozens of art crits in her life. <laughs> like, oh, I don't think school. so. I think she seems uh, super like,
1: upset to me.
0: Oh, like during the actual criti- uh, the yeah. Judging.
1: And I think it's because like right before so in the talking head right before the judging, all of them basically say like, I think I did well. Like I did I gave my mm. I gave him my all. It's exactly the way I wanted. And then most of them get kind of like torn to pieces. Um mm. and, like three out three out of five of them get torn to pieces. Um Kimberly gets kind of like a you ticked all the boxes and then like Ruby gets gets a positive, you know, mm. response.
0: It was a harsh one. And yeah, and then they, they all cry together afterwards. Yeah. So yeah, we've already talked about this, but Ruby ends up star baker and uh, Christine gets sent home and and Becca and Frances both cry again. <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> like in sort of relief, but like I I don't know. Not exactly relief. It's a sad moment. Yeah, it's a tough it's a it's a tough episode.
1: It's a tough episode.
0: They're also great. Yeah. Yeah. I think is the thing and so the cookie just crumbled the way it crumbled. I think what's interesting, too, is they didn't make mistakes, you know, exactly. Like, like they didn't make mistakes in the
1: execution. Like, they made mistakes in the, the planning, I suppose. The conception, yeah. But just as an example, like, Christine said she made this cake twice at home, and both times it came out great, and she thinks it's really delicious. Although at the beginning, she said... You know, it's 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 like bread pudding, and Mary, like, makes this face. Um, yeah. And then later, Mary says to Paul, like, while they're standing around in the tent, like, I didn't like that she said that. <laughs> like, like, the bake is what is important. Like, don't tell me it's like bread pudding. Well, okay, what I mean is, I feel like all the ones who didn't do well during, like, they were surprised, you know, that they didn't they do were. well. Because I think the cakes yeah. came out exactly the way they were at home, and they made cakes to their own taste, you know? Yes. And yeah. the judges still still didn't love it like the one like t- sort of negative thing they said about kimber's leaves was that it like the cake wasn't sweet enough but then it was like smothered and fondant right and i was like kind of like oh come on you know <laughs> like that's why the, you know that's that's why she did that it's to balance it like
0: what yeah i hear that yeah they were nitpicking because that's the point we're at now yeah which is a yeah sad well competitive point but sad point Mm -hmm. I don't like seeing everybody crying. Christine does say that the show is
1: the best thing she's done in her life by a mile. Um, And then I like that she adds, and I haven't had a boring life. (laughs) I think that's...
0: (laughs) Yeah, it was good. Especially for listeners like us who have been watching Christine all all season and being like, we don't really remember what you've baked. (laughs) She's like... You terrible children, I've lived eight lifetimes before you've been born. Yeah, Okay. I mean, that's probably enough. true. I, I think it is true. I yeah. believe her. I'm sure she's had, she's led a more interesting
1: life than I have.
0: You've had an interesting life. I don't know. I feel, I feel like
1: I don't remember life before the pandemic, sort of. Oh, like, no. is this not just life?
0: <laughs> have I not just spent my life sitting here in front of this computer? It'll end sometime. Mm. But you still have to come meet me in front of the computer every two weeks just to be there. Yeah. Any final thoughts? No thoughts, only vibes. Sorry. Okay, um,
1: this has been The Rough Puffs. Your, your hosts are Andrea Bennett and Kim Fu. Uh, we both write books. Uh, Andrea's latest is Like a Boy, But Not a Boy, an essay collection that is very good and available wherever fine books are sold. You can find us on Twitter at Rough Puffs or on Instagram at The Rough Puffs. Oh, shout out again to Lake Swimmer, who had some really interesting ruby commentary on our twitter that you should go very
0: good ruby commentary yeah you
1: should go look up i appreciated that um and made me think maybe the changing my changing opinion on ruby is actually like a like a cultural shift (laughs) maybe
0: everyone's opinion
1: on ruby has changed tell somebody about the show if you listen to the show tell somebody
0: (laughs) tell somebody who likes baking or reality tv um, well, good night, everybody, and tough luck, Christine, but at least you weren't a sorghum loser. Those are mm. gluten-free flowers. It's a niche, it's a niche pun. The only time I'll be able to use those ones. People know what sorghum is, don't they? I mean, hopefully, I've talked about it enough on the show. <laughs>